0: Science. Scientism sound similar, but the latter has little to do with reality. Join Kirby Anderson as he looks at atheists, myths, and scientism, now on Probe. Atheists' attacks against American Christianity are gaining traction. Their success is readily seen in recent trends showing that about 50% of American millennials do not profess to be Christians, with most identifying as atheist, agnostic, or nothing in particular. How have atheists created a culture capturing more and more Americans? This week we'll focus on two prominent prongs of this attack. Number one, fabricating myths showing Christianity and modern science are enemies. And number two, promoting scientism as the correct view of science. These myths attempt to picture the Christian church as anti science. They want us to believe that the findings of science are counter to their made up view of Christianity and to look in history and believe the church was actively trying to suppress scientific knowledge. As Michael Keyes states in his book Unbelievable, these stories are nothing but myths, and yet some leading scientists offer these stories as unassailable truth. These myths make their way into scientific textbooks and popular culture, whereby the myths pass as accepted wisdom. However, many historians have pointed to the Christian worldview of an orderly universe created by God for giving birth to the scientific revolution. In How the West Won, sociologist Rodney Stark states that Christianity was essential to the rise of science, which is why science was a purely Western phenomenon. Science only arose in Christian Europe because only medieval Europeans believed that science was possible. And desirable, and the basis of their belief was their image of God in His creation. Second, they want to promote scientism as the only valid way to view the role of science. What is scientism? Well, in his book Scientism and Secularism, Professor of Philosophy J. P. Moreland states, "Scientism." is the view that the hard sciences provide the only genuine knowledge of reality. What is crucial is the thought that the scientific is much more valuable than the non-scientific. When you have competing knowledge claims, the scientific will always trump the non-scientific. But scientism is not a doctrine of science, but rather a doctrine of philosophy. Scientism distorts science. This doctrine came into favor among the public, not through scientific results, but through proponents presenting it in popular ways as an undisputable truth. As Moreland points out, it is not even a friend of science, but rather its enemy. So tomorrow we'll consider some of the recent key figures who propagated these myths and some of their falsified stories. You've been listening to Probe with your host, Kirby Anderson. Learn how the deceivers are deceived. Get Steve Cable's transcript, Atheist, Myths, and Scientism at probe.org. And join us next time here on Probe. Atheists want to create stories to demonstrate that Christians are and have been enemies of scientific discovery. Why this drive to recreate the past? Well, they want to encourage people to turn away from Christianity. As Michael Keyes makes evident in his book, Unbelievable, they have created historical myths to bolster their position. After creating these myths, they use the educational system and mass media to ingrain these myths into the thinking of the masses. Keyes discusses seven myths used for this purpose. To understand their nature, let's consider two of them. One myth is that the Dark Ages was a time in which science was stifled by an oppressive church. This popular view is not supported by history. As reported in How the West Won, perhaps the most remarkable aspect of the Dark Ages myth is that it was imposed on what was actually one of the great innovative eras of mankind. Keys found this myth first appeared in textbooks with an anti-Christian slant in the 1960s, and Carl Sagan and later Neil deGrasse Tyson would help promote this myth on the television through Cosmos. Another myth exploded by Keyes is that Copernicus demoted humans from the privileged center of the universe and challenged doctrines on human importance. In fact, Copernicus, as a Christian, did not consider orbiting the sun a demotion for humans. What Copernicus saw as unveiling the mysteries of God's creation was over time pictured as a great humiliation for Christians. In the 1950s, some writers began using the Copernican principle to refer to the idea that the earth is not in a central, specifically Favored position in the cosmos. As one professor noted, this is a principle of mediocrity, and Copernicus would have been shocked to find his name associated with it. This atheist strategy pretends that many early scientists were not Christians. Johannes Kepler, known for identifying the three laws of planetary motion, was cited by Sagan as one who despaired of ever attaining salvation. Sagan leads one to believe that Kepler's astronomical discoveries somehow freed him from this concern, yet Kepler later wrote that he was saved solely by the merit of our Savior Jesus Christ. Much of the reported relationship between science and Christianity is a myth to strengthen the atheist position that science repudiates Christianity and makes it superfluous to today's enlightened world. Nothing could be further from the truth, as a Christian worldview was foundational for the development and application of the scientific method. You know, we have been looking at atheism's two-prong attack comprised of fabricating myths about Christianity and science and scientism, which is a belief system claiming hard sciences provide the only genuine knowledge of reality. Scientism is the de facto faith for many scientists, educators, and supporters of theistic evolution, yet the whole concept is self-refuting. As philosopher J.P. Moreland points out, strong scientism is a philosophical assertion, claiming philosophical assertions are neither true nor can be known, only scientific assertions can be true and known. But if only scientific facts are objectively true, then the statement that only scientific facts can be true must be false because it is not a scientific fact. Most followers of scientism adopt methodological naturalism. That's the idea that while doing science, one must seek only natural causes or explanations. The idea demotes science from being the search for truth about observable items to the search for the most plausible natural cause, no matter how implausible. Proponents are sure that methodological naturalism applies to the field of evolutionary science. Their a priori assumption is that life developed by strictly impersonal, unintelligent forces. No intelligence can be allowed to enter the process. This approach has led to a number of theories and untestable speculations which scientism declares must be true about our origins, at least until replaced by another strictly naturalistic theory. This is clearly an unfruitful way to obtain truth. First, many areas of science include intelligent agents for their hypotheses, common examples being archaeology and forensic science. Second, the current state of evolutionary science is tearing holes in prior theories like Darwinian evolution rather than closing in on a plausible explanation. And third, scientists are continuing to find evidence consistent with a hypothesis that intelligent actions were involved in the formation of life on earth. In contrast, those supporting theistic evolution are simply conforming to the methodological naturalism of their peers. They claim to believe God does intervene through acts such as miracles of Jesus, but God did not intervene in the processes leading up to the appearance of mankind on this planet. In my opinion, this takes the stance only because scientism does not allow the stance that God was involved. As Moreland states, methodological naturalism is one bad way to put science and Christianity together. Scientism is a philosophy saying that the only real knowledge to be found is through the hard sciences and that no intelligence can be invoked in the process. Proponents believe that hard science must be capable of explaining everything, even if it currently doesn't. Today, we will consider important questions that science will never be able to explain. In his book, Scientism and Secularism, J.P. Moreland lists five examples, and we'll talk about four of them. First, the origin of the universe cannot be explained by science. Science has been able to identify that the universe likely had a beginning point, but as Moreland points out, science cannot even, in principle, explain the beginning. It cannot say what caused it. No real thing can pop into existence from nothing. And he points out three reasons for doing so. Science cannot explain the origin of universe because scientific explanations presuppose the universe. Science cannot explain the origin of time. And coming into existence is not a process which can be explained because it is an instantaneous event, something either does or does not exist. Second, the fine-tuning of the universe to support life. Scientifically, the forces within this universe can be observed, but we cannot know what caused them to assume the values they do. Yet our universe is a razor's edge of precisely balanced, life-permitting conditions. Over 100 parameters, such as the force of gravity or the charge of an electron, must be precisely balanced or there would be no life in this universe. Third, the origin of consciousness. Consciousness is the ability to be aware of oneself and to entertain thoughts about things outside of one's experience. From a naturalist point of view, the appearance of mind is utterly unpredictable and inexplicable. However, God may choose to create conscious beings that are capable of asking about and discovering the works of their Creator. Fourth, the existence of moral laws. As the atheist philosopher Mackey admitted, the emergence of moral properties would discredit naturalism and support theism. Moral properties, he says, constitute so odd a cluster of properties and relations that they are most unlikely to have risen in the ordinary course of events without an all-powerful God to create them. So these four important questions can never be answered if scientism's flawed premise were true. However, Christian theism answers each of these questions and those answers are true if God is the real creator of the universe. Scientism claims Christianity and science don't mix. Teaching all theology is nonsense and only science gives truth. However, Christians must disagree. Viewing science as a gift of God to be integrated with their faith. Understanding scientific topics are mostly peripheral to biblical truth. We cannot ignore areas where common topics are addressed, such as how did this universe come into existence as it does. Regarding this topic, Moreland states that science has done more to confirm the Christian God's existence than to undermine it. Science has, however, raised questions to various biblical texts and Christians need to take those challenges seriously. So how we address these areas is an important topic. Moreland suggests five ways in which to integrate Christianity and in science. Let's consider two of them. One of these is where two disciplines address the same topic from different, non-overlapping perspectives. Neither one purports to tell the whole story, but both make truth claims about reality. This model is used by advocates of theistic evolution, taking as gospel the claims of evolutionary science while saying that God kicked off the whole process in the beginning. A different approach is the direct interaction model where theories from theology and science may directly interact with one another, either positively or negatively. This approach brings information from different fields together, creating a fuller picture of truth. Intelligent design is such an area as it questions the validity of eliminating intelligence from the hypotheses one can consider." For scientism, science requires no inputs from any other source, no matter how helpful. So the direct interaction model is a difficult road to take. But there is a rational criteria for taking it. If no reasonable interpretation of the Bible would resolve the tension, and there are qualified scholars who reject the majority view, and overwhelming evidence is not the reason, the majority clings to the position. For example, the shift from creationism to Darwinism was primarily a shift in philosophy of science and given the significant evidence for a Christian worldview, any view that is counter to that should be rejected. These criteria identify areas where we need biblical truth if we are to truly understand a topic such as the origin of intelligent life. So as followers of God of real truth, we realize that the so-called truths taught to justify science over theology are in fact self-refuting.